welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast, Episode 20 in 3 John, Four Men and Their Reputations, Part 2. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this Episode 20, we finish our study into the Epistle of 3 John and finish Season 1. We see a significant change in the tone of John's letter, We studied the man called Gaius and his faith and actions in supporting missionaries, but here was someone else that needed to be spoken about from John. All right, 3 John, starting in verse 9. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, the one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Well, John's letter takes a significant turn as we start in verse 9. Everything we studied in the episode 19 in regards to Gaius was positive and glowing, but there was an issue with another individual that demanded John's response. Verse 9 again says, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is the only mention of Diotrephes in the New Testament so our knowledge of him is very limited. But we see some things about him that John describes. Unlike Gaius, this is not a common name, so speculation only, we may assume that his background may have been pagan in some order. We also know that he had a leadership role in the local church in the same area where Gaius was from. We do not know if they were from the same church, but from the information we have that seems unlikely there is a letter john speaks about here in verse 9 that has been lost to antiquity and may have contained recommendations for traveling teachers and an encouragement for extending hospitality to those travelers and it perhaps addressed directly to diotrephes however once that letter was in diotrephes hands he rejected or led a movement of rejecting John's appeal. Why does Diotrephes reject the authority of the Apostle John? Well, a huge hint in this text is that he loves to be first. He recognizes only his own authority. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 talks about the preeminence of Christ. In verse 18 it says, He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. That's not Diotrephes, that's Christ. Christ alone is the authority, but Diotrephes wants nothing from the Apostle John. 
literally in this text. He will not receive us. He refused to provide hospitality for the traveling missionaries that Gaius so willingly provided. Diotrephes wanted to separate his church away from John and what John represented and his influence. Diotrephes was full of pride and self-interest. We do not know what was the root of this conflict. It could have been conflict over who wields authority in the church or conflict over doctrinal matters, perhaps a conflict over a misunderstanding. Regardless, there was a spiritual and a personal issue here. Verse 10 goes on and says, This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. And he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. So John addresses four specific charges against Diotrephes. The first one, he is malicious slander. Then he refuses hospitality to traveling teachers. Then he prevents others from offering that same hospitality. And then the fourth thing is he put out of the church anyone who does so. John is proposing a meeting with Diotrephes to specifically remind him of his arrogance and rebuke him publicly about these four things. But you see the scale of behavior increasingly getting worse towards the great apostle and anyone who is close to him. What began as ambition moved to arrogance and then to allegations without merit to finally no action when one was required. He was the exact opposite of Gaius, who was acknowledged first in this letter. He puts out anyone who attempts support for these missionaries and John's request. The word in Greek, ekbalei, is the same as found in John 9, where the Pharisees put out a man for the only reason being Christ healed him from blindness. That is found in John chapter 9, starting verse 28. They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he is from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history... No one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you, are, and you are trying to teach us. And then they threw him out. That threw him out is the same term here. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found them, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And Christ goes on to introduce himself. The dictatorial behavior of Diotrephes was incredible and profoundly arrogant and, shall we say, pharisaical. These are all dangers in a church as churches should watch their motives, they should watch their decisions, they should watch their tongues, and should watch their actions. Verse 11 says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. John now addresses his dear friend Gaius with an imperative to not imitate evil but good. Demetrius, 
was probably the one delivering the letter to Gaius, and John sets his example against people like Diotrephes, and we'll see that shortly. The word imitate used here is the Greek word mimu, where we get the word in English mimic. Gaius was a good guy, so this was a less specific situation for him, but rather it was drawing a contrast to Diotrephes. Brooke Foss Westcott writes, He who does good provides by his action that his life springs from God as its source. He who does evil has not made the first step towards participation in the divine nature. Ultimately, the child of God imitates the Savior. Behavior once again indicates the nature of the faith of the individual. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. All right, the next example we have here is in verse 12. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. Here we have Demetrius, who was one of the traveling missionaries, if not their leader. He was most likely delivering this personal letter to Gaius. Here, in contrast to Diotrephes, Demetrius was well spoken of by everyone, which is a phrasing used many times in the New Testament. The everyone is all those who knew him or knew him to be a man of character and integrity. I'm sure not everybody in the world would agree with him, but the ones that knew him. He was a faithful witness of the truth, and his life reflected that truth in a relationship with God. John now speaks well of Demetrius, and that sets the introduction for Gaius to expend or extend the same hospitality to him that it, he was known to provide. Verse 13 says, I have many things to write you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. John's heart was lightened by the faithfulness of Gaius and Demetrius, and at the same time burdened by Diotrephes. Much more was on John's heart as well as a confrontation needed with Diotrephes. Pen and ink in this short letter was insufficient when you want to meet face to face and have such issues to discuss. Verse 15 says, Peace to you, the friends send you greetings, greet the friends by name. The letter ending is typical of the first century. Peace for a Christian is not just the absence of conflict, but peace with God and a supernatural peace regardless of circumstances. Romans 5 verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith 
into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Consider moral excellence and how we live our lives, and God's peace will be with you. He goes on and says, Shalom, the friends greet you. These are members of the elders' church. They also are aware of the faithfulness of Gaius and the Diotrephes matter. This is the only place in the New Testament where believers are called friends, and it may reflect what Jesus said in John chapter 15. John 15 verse 12 says, This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask from the Father in my name, he will give you. So to greet the friends by name is referencing the faithful, and not necessarily to Diotrephes and his followers. Greet the faithful and all those who bring praise to God is specific, and it's just not a general greeting in this case. Well, that ends... Uh, this season one, a set of podcasts into first to third John. Seasons two starts without delay as we begin a study in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel is so integral to our understanding of Scripture in its entirety. As always, I pray this podcast has found you well. God bless you and take care. See you soon for season two. <laughs>